Hi, this is Tina Powell, host of In The Suite, where I sit down with top women leaders and some of the biggest names in the financial services and the wealth management industry. Together, we'll discover some of their best secrets and top strategies to grow great business, build a strong brand, and lead teams in the 21st century. I hope you'll enjoy hearing their amazing personal stories of triumph, trepidation, and transformation in hopes of becoming better leaders ourselves. The time for you to lead is now, and you're in the suite. Martine Lellis knows a thing or two about making bold moves. In January of 2020, Martine accepted a new role as Chief Talent and Business Solutions Officer at Mercer Advisors, one of the largest registered investment advisors and financial planning firms in the U.S., with over $28 billion in client assets. But five months before that, and shortly before the COVID pandemic, she took a deep dive into the unknown to explore uncharted waters. Literally, Martine took a sabbatical and traveled the world in search of answers with the goal to discover her next best thing. She had spent 17 years of her life at the same company and knew it was time to point her compass into an entirely new direction. What she told us during this broadcast is absolutely inspiring. Martine says, I didn't have a job before I decided to leave, but I had confidence in myself that I would figure it out. And figure it out, she did. Without hesitation, she accepted the bold, audacious, new executive position CEO Dave Welling of Mercer Advisors created just for her and relocated from D.C. to Denver to blaze a new trail for a bigger, more nationally focused REA. Not surprisingly, the emerging themes of bold change in this interview with Martine Lellis also touch upon the foundation of a 20-year vitae in financial services and an impressive history of accomplishment and academics. Martine is a certified public accountant, CPA, and a certified financial planner, CFP professional, and has a bachelor's degree in mathematics from Duke University and an MBA from Georgetown University. She's been an instructor for the CFP exam review courses. She served as a member at Schwab Advisor Services Technology Operations and Service Advisory Board. And previously, she was a wealthmanagement.com industry judge for the wealthies before she took on the role at Mercer Advisors. Now, Martine's focus is on developing, empowering, and mentoring the next generation of talent and beyond. In fact, one of the many gifts you'll discover about Martine Lellis in this episode is her passion to help the next generation of talent at Mercer Advisors and the U.S. Olympic team. Yes, you heard that right. Martine Lellis is a national technical official for USA Weightlifting, a level two coach, and an overall volunteer for the USA Weightlifting team. She shows her willingness and commitment to helping others succeed in and out of the office and around the world. But Martine is also the type of person who realizes that change can be difficult. She leads by knowing that change is hard, But sometimes big decisions are made quickly, and you just have to trust yourself that being bold is something that can be found in the suite. Wow, Martine Lellis, take a seat in the suite. It's so great to see you here today. I'm thrilled. I have been waiting for this moment for a very long time. How are you today? I am awesome. And thank you, Tina. I'm so excited to be here. I'm happy to join you. It's great to see you. I know. I miss that we didn't go to the Wealth Management Awards, that we didn't go to the Wealthies this year. I mean, we were there virtually, but, you know, normally you and I get a couple of days in New York City. We get to catch up together. And you have been on a rocket ship, you know, ever since joining Mercer. And so I'm still looking forward to, you know, us being together physically, but virtually was better than nothing. Yeah, it's just been a crazy year for everyone, right? I mean, we're coming up on almost a year of 
working from our homes. And I feel like I've been sitting on this couch for an entire year and working from this situation as everybody has. And so we've had to make so many different adjustments. But I think the thing I miss the most is connecting in person with people. So it has been a challenge. And I would say for those of you who haven't had the honor and the fun part of being with Martine Lellis is that, you know, not only can she talk about this industry, um, I've always been so curious about your background and, you know, your origin story is something I feel is really, really so, so inspiring, but also too, Martine's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah, I would say that fun is in my vocabulary and, you know, work isn't fun without having that fun. And I, I mean, I like to have a good balance between the two. And uh, I think that's really important in anything that you do. So yeah. And if there was one thing that I learned from the pandemic, well, number one, I moved my house. So, you know, you and I are both kind of surrounded by boxes. And I did, I really thought about this whole work from home environment and the fact that I think there was, for, for me, there's always going to be that work from home component. But even just the design of my house and having the office instead, not on the basement anymore, but on a top floor really had to think about what's the environment that I do my best work, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, the viewers won't see this, but I mean, I think having a lot of light and making sure that you're in a comfortable environment is really important. But a lot of people have been making changes this year, right? Everybody's been in their homes and you hear the stories about contractors being overbooked because they look around themselves and they say, I don't like this. I don't like that. They're changing up everything and they're changing their environment. But I mean, I think that's healthy, you know, to, to reassess and take the time to do that. So it's, it's just been, it has been a year of change for everyone. So but especially for you, Martine, and we're going to talk about it because now congratulations, you are celebrating one year at Mercer Advisors as their chief talent and business solutions officer. You are the fifth female at Mercer Advisors to join the executive team within a two year span for maybe the one person listening right now that doesn't know who Mercer Advisors is. I thought if you could just explain who Mercer Advisors is right now and why you joining at that time was so incredible right before coronavirus. Yeah, well, I uh, Mercer is a great company to work with. I'm so proud to be a part of their team. And I, I hit my one year anniversary about a month ago. And time just has flown by. It's been such an active year. We, we closed 13 acquisitions in 2020. So that was a record year for us. So we're just growing astronomically. And that's just one of the beautiful things about Mercer is our growth trajectory. Um, but we are one of the largest registered investment advisors in the country. We're national. We have, you know, over 40 offices in our footprint and, and just, you know, a huge amount of clients that we serve in a very holistic manner, providing a lot of, of family wealth services and other investment advisory services to our clients. And it's just a joy to be with a, a really um, growth-oriented organization and also one, as you say, that has a viewpoint of, of progressively engaging women and women talent um, in their leadership and also amongst their advisory team and operations teams as well. So very proud to be a part of that. Well, the position was, as you so eloquently put it, really tailor-made for you. You've done amazing with your career. I remember you saying how, you know, your father and, and how your family was really inspirational and put you in a, on, a, on a really good path. I said, wow, I couldn't have handled that path. You obviously did. But what was the tailor-made aspect of, of joining like a Mercer Advisors? You know, it's interesting that you highlight the tailor-made aspect of it. I mean, I think as you know, Dave Welling and I have known each other for a long time in the industry, over 10 years. And so um, what's fascinating about it is that when I did call him and say, you know, I'm looking at making a, a move, 
you know, I give him so much credit for setting his ego aside. And he had all of these ideas. Martine, you could go do this. You could go do that. You're so talented in this area. And I had to kind of stop him mid paragraph and say, Dave, uh, I was calling to talk about possibly working with you. And he's like, paused and he was breathless and said, Oh my gosh, I'd be so flattered. And to have that coming from Dave, you know, it really is a testament just to, you know, him just having a very selfless view of the world. He was there to offer advice to me just as a friend and as a partner in the industry. And so from that moment on, it became a collaborative conversation. And that's really what I think two um, strong business-minded people can really do. When we came together, we started talking about, Dave, what are the problems and challenges that you're seeing in Mercer Advisors? Where do you really need executive help? And then he's, his questions to me, where are your strengths and talents? Let's dig into that a little bit more. And it was a collaboration over several months' time to get to what the actual right job description was that really fit into the needs of Mercer Advisors. And that was a really collaborative process that I really think is a testament to Dave being a strong leader for the company. And also for me, just wanting to make certain that it was the right and best fit for my next step. And that's when you know you have a win-win scenario for us to a successful transition. And so we, we really did have a great conversation and collaborative process around making that next transition for, for me and for Mercer as well. And I would say it's been a wonderful thing, I think, for, for all of us and for the com- most importantly for the organization. So very, very happy about that. Yeah, it speaks to your point, Martine. It does speak about the leadership of Dave Welling, who's really legendary. He's won a bunch of awards and he is, he's still like, he's so low key and so humble about, you know, all his success. And, and here he is, you know, building this rocket ship. That's all things Mercer, putting you in this, allowing you to, you know, kind of co-create, collaborate, ideate around what that role is. And then it's brilliant because here it is, you had those discussions before coronavirus. This was a very big decision. And I love the way that you noticed that you wanted to make a change. You called up a, you know, a friend, a mentor in the industry, and that you were very direct and you asked for it. And that I think is a big takeaway for a lot of people listening right now. Now is the time to make big changes in your life. That's a fantastic point. I actually hadn't really thought about it that way. I mean, for me, it was so organic. I mean, the decision, but the decision to leave my old company was extremely personal. And, you know, I have such loyalty to that business. And to make a large decision like that after 17 years, um, there was a lot of, of grief involved. There was a lot of change closing that door when you're an owner and a partner and you have so much loyalty built up in that system, it was not an easy decision by far. And so I had to be very, very strategic about what the next step was. I knew it wasn't just going to be moving on to, um, you know, just anything in the business. And so being very strategic, who do I want to partner with? How many conversations do I need to have? I really, the nice thing is I really knew who to step out and talk to in um, the business. And I knew who my trusted friends and advisors were. And I relied on them to help guide me. I had several conversations beyond just the conversation with Dave and got lots and lots of advice. And there were lots of people out there that stepped up and really helped support me during that time. And I'm very, very grateful for that. And we as women, I think, need to know that there are both men and women that we need to surround ourselves with for those critical moments in our careers to help us and and that it's okay to rely on them um, and be our rocks when we need that support. And um, it's very, you know, critical. 
how do you know when the ping in you means that you should like actually pay attention to it? Because I think that big changes kind of start as like little thoughts, like you get this little idea and then it kind of grows and then it kind of grows. And then you were like, yeah, cause it is a really bold move and people listening right now that are considering bold moves, like somebody right now is getting a ping. Yeah. I think that's a really great question because oftentimes you have these moments where it's like in your gut and you're listening to it and then you're thinking about it. And oftentimes you can sit on those um, instincts for a while. For me, it's just, I, I really think you just, you don't always know. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to take that chance and you just have to trust yourself. I mean, I didn't have a job before I decided to leave, but I had confidence in myself that I would figure out where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. And it, it just was a, a realization and a recognition that it was just time. It was time for me to move on to a broader and a bigger role and take on um, in a bigger organization, a more national organization. And you know, I, I think sometimes you just have to sit on those decisions. And I always say the biggest decisions in my life are often made quickly because you just know when you know. And I have never looked back in the past. I'm one of those forward thinking people that just has that sort of blazing confidence. It doesn't mean that I don't hurt or I don't have grief around those types of big moves or decisions, but it does mean that having the confidence to kind of blaze that trail is something that I always take forward with me. But it's, it's, I don't have an easy answer for that. I just have the answer that change is hard, but taking that first step forward after that, that's the hardest part is making that leap. And after that, I think you have to trust that things generally have a way of falling in place and you find your destiny, but you'll never make progress if you don't step off that ledge. And so, you know, making that first decision to make that move is the most critical part. Mm. Um, and I have always found that six months later, a year later, I look back and I'm so grateful that I made those bold moves because here I am and I'm in, you know, a bigger role, more responsibility and um, blazing new trails. So I'm very happy with those decisions. And so you also, one of the interesting things when you took on the role at Mercer, and that is that you literally relocated. So you went from Virginia to Colorado. And I thought like that was, that was interesting. And that, ha that was like, not only a big change that you're going from one organization to another where you've been, but now you've changed your geography and your environment. And I forget who was it that told me that said that every time that your environment changes, that you literally like rewrite part of yourself and nothing could be further from the truth, right? Both you and I are, are both in new places right now. And I welcome that experience too often that we kind of look at, I don't know, the risks of taking it. But to your point, when you're really sure, I was sure that this was the right move right now. And talking to a lot of different people and getting buy-in from your you know, internal board of directors, whether or not that they're family members or even just people in the industry helps you to affirm that decision. Yeah. So it's interesting. I always say there's no one in charge of my life, but myself, you know, so I have to be in charge of those decisions. And while I have great sounding boards around me, I have a really strong network of friends and family in support of me. Um, it's ultimately up to myself to make those decisions that are best for me. I definitely blank slated the drawing board when it came to my job search. So I said, I have to be open-minded about this to be able to go anywhere in the country. Um, and I think that really opened my mind to be open to opportunity. I think successful people that have opportunities present themselves and take advantage of opportunities do have very open minds and that's how opportunities come and they see that seize those opportunities when they're there. So it was important to me to say, what if I did go to, you know, um, <laughs> Indianapolis, Arizona, 
uh, California, New York, like just to have that wide slate of options available just really allowed me to say in the moment, let's make the best choice for Martine and the best choice of all the options that are available. And when the time came to make my final decision, because I did have a couple of options, uh, Mercer really was the right choice. And it didn't really matter that it was in Denver. It's like Denver is a wonderful city. And I was more than happy to pack up and move across the country. I still have amazing friends back in Virginia and the Washington DC area. And I have friends all over the country and you know me, I love to travel. So I'll I'll get around to seeing them once this pandemic is over. If that would be your second career, Martine. Hey, listeners, you can now text me at 201-581-3983 to join our text-based community in the suite. After you do that, I'll be lifting you up, inspiring you, and supercharging your life and career with awesome quotes, resources, videos, and tips we learned from our great guests. It couldn't be any easier. Just text 201-581-3983 to join. So a lot of people don't know that you have one of the most interesting backgrounds here. And I don't even think to call it a hobby. It's part of you. It's a sport. It's it's part of just who Martine is. And for those of you who don't know, the accolades already are impressive. And now you add on to that national technical official for USA weightlifting And that Martine, often you officiate at Olympic weightlifting competitions. You were set to compete and go to the Olympics this year, right, before coronavirus? Well, I was set to go and be a spectator at the Olympics, but also um, go with the team to help out with various things as a a donor and, and, you know, helping with fundraising activities. Um, for Team USA. So not a competitor for the team by far. (laughs) These women and men are just uh, amazing with what they can lift. But I'm a huge supporter for Team USA with USA weightlifting. That's for sure. And you've also, but you have done Olympic, like not only do you know how to officiate it and how to coach and mentor for it, you actually know how to do it. I do. So I'm a level two coach. I, I have done a competition Um, I've trained for a lot of competitions, but one of the things that got me into um, officiating at the national level is I have, I've broken both of my feet. It's it's just like accidents, but that's actually what got me into officiating was because it impeded my training. And so someone said, Hey, why don't you look into becoming a referee? And so a lot of people don't know that story is that because I was working on training so hard And um, I broke actually my left foot and it was a year long recovery. That's when I started actually doing a referee at the local level. And then I tested to become a referee at the national level. And this year I will actually take my test to be an international referee. And so I have been officiating all over the country. I'm very dedicated to that. I do most of the national competitions. I'm very grateful for the flexibility that Dave and and my previous employer had given me to do that. It's mostly on the weekends, but it's, you know, it's a volunteer capacity. Um, These officials are very dedicated to the sport. We fund our own way to get to the competitions. We spend 12 to 14 hours a day watching the athletes lift. We take their changes in the back. We have multiple roles that we wear. We wear navy blue suits. And we are very highly trained and skilled to um, adjudicate the lifts for them. And it's an amazing sport to be a part of. I'm very proud to be a part of USA weightlifting and the volunteer activities. We have had to have some online competitions during the pandemic of which I have participated in and adjudicating the lifts via computer Um, So we've done the best that we can, and there's still some hope that we'll get back to, you know, in-person competitions soon, which I can't wait to do. So it's a great thing to have something that you're really passionate, you know, about outside of your um, regular job. And this is, this is really what I enjoy doing. There's a whole community out there that's really engaged coaches, athletes, 
um, and officials. And I serve on a couple of committees as well, fundraising and finance committee for USA weightlifting. Very proud of that. And we commend you for your service. I know that this is, you've been so passionate about this for as long as I've known you. It was one of the most like intriguing things that I discovered about you. And it is a really good reminder that having a little bit of balance in our lives and having something that we're passionate about, I think like that comes into the business world anyway. It makes us who we are. We had Danny Fava come in the suite as well. And so she is a referee for basketball. And so I was like, oh, wow. So that explains like the Air Jordans and all of that. And so I think, right, when you pull those interests, but how did you get into weightlifting? Yeah, so that's interesting. So I'm sure you've heard about CrossFit. That's an, as uh, a sport that kind of hit the scene. And I went to a gym in the early, you know, I think it was in 2012 and started that. But what I really got fascinated with were the Olympic lifts, which are part of that. And so I joined a barbell club that year and really got focused on learning the technical aspects of Olympic weightlifting and and really started refining those. And, you know, there's something about strength and just being a strong uh, woman. And that also motivated me. I was never a natural athlete, but it is kind of fun to throw, you know, 50 to a kilograms above your head. I mean, that's lightweight. You should see what these women are doing that are going to the Olympics. They are amazingly strong women. So they are something to aspire to. So it's just fun to have something to do outside of the office. Yeah, my daughter, um, I have a couple of videos on my computer of her doing CrossFit competitions. And the first time that I watched, I was like, oh my God, I was so, so impressed at the strength. When you get to that Olympic level, is that a combination I mean, I think I already know the answer, but is it more strength or is it more leverage? Like, you know, I well, they have they have just incredible explosive power mm-hmm. that they have developed. So, you know, they're developing their ability to um, use their power and strength to um, explosively move a barbell from the floor to overhead, and that's that's really the key to it. And and do they do they like golfers and like other athletes do? their own form of cross training to get that, to develop that? Or is that, is that like a muscle memory style technique that the more you practice that explosiveness, that that's how that actually increases the the power? I mean, you'd have to talk to their coaches because their coaches are just way more experienced than I am in all this, but it's going to be a combination of different types of training that train, develop their strength, develop their explosiveness and, and lots of, you know, muscle memory and repetition. But, you know, these, these, these women train, you know, multiple times, a couple times a day and, and several days a week to get to where they are. And it's amazing to watch them in competition. I'm always so impressed. So one of the ideas also about bringing you here in the suite, Martine, you know, earlier in the year is, well, first of all, your story, I think, is really empowering. You're the third woman that we've had in the suite that at the, at the C-suite level that has made a major shift in, in her life and even relocated. Like you're one of two, Stephanie Foster, who's now at XYPN Planning Network, also made a major move. So congratulations to you, Stephanie. I know that you're, that you're listening. So it's really inspiring. And we wanted to concentrate these like first episodes of the of the first few months really on helping to start the new year. Are there any other, I don't know, tips that you would put out for, for women right now to make 2021? Like, what would your advice be? Or what's the advice to the Olympic team right now to really go out and, and get after your dreams? Well, I mean, this has just been such a huge year of change. Um, We've really seen a lot of people have to adapt to a lot. I mean, quite frankly, there's a lot of people that have lost their jobs. And so, you know, I look around and I see, you know, there's a lot of abundance that's available, but there's also a lot that has happened to a lot of people in certain industries where they're not as fortunate And so there's people out there that need help. So if you can be a mentor, if you can get out there and help someone else, I think that's the best advice that I can give. I mean, how can you, 
How can we, what can we do to help build up the other people around us? We get so much out of that. I mean, my goal in building a business is really helping those around me be better people, be more productive people, be successful people. I get so much more out of that because I feel like I'm bringing people up in the industry, bringing people up around me. And I look around and I see so much need in the, in the country and in the world around us that I do think there's a lot that we could be doing for those around us right now. So um, we've got a lot of change coming in 2021. Hopefully we're going to be getting back to some normalcy. So, you know, I think setting those incremental goals, if you have had some downside, if you have had some challenges, you know, setting those incremental goals to get back to where you need to be and trying to, you know, ask others for help as well. There's a lot of people out there who want to help. I think that's important to, to, think about as well. Yeah. And another great feature of Mercer Advisors is that you have an internal mentoring program, which, you know, literally matches up people like younger talent, more senior level leadership, which really helps to set the path. I think a lot of times we just need a little bit of help, but it was so, it's so hard to ask for help in your earlier career. So I applaud when you know, a company like Mercer makes that mechanism already there so that just you have no choice, but then to speak to other people, you know, discuss your goals and get solutions. And now when you do have a problem, then you're not afraid to ask because you've already had a relationship with somebody. Yeah, we, I mean, we have a great program. I got my first mentor match early on in the year with a male colleague in Texas, and we had a great relationship. I found that to be amazingly beneficial for me as well, just to feel like I was able to set some targets for him, give him ideas to think about. He made some incredible change in his professional life and, and just set some goals and he achieved them. And he was so excited to um, call me and say, Martine, I went and I did this and I followed your advice and I feel so good about the things that I have done. That was incredibly rewarding. We also have a women's initiative called investors that has been award-winning and very successful internally. And I have my first women's match in our mentor program. I have my meeting next week, actually, um, with my mentee there. She's based in California and I can't wait to have that relationship get started as well, because I just feel like there's always just more to do. And, you know, ironically, I had another person in the organization just reach out to me candidly and say, Hey, I have a question about getting an MBA. I've heard you talk at all staff meetings. I've read your profile. I feel like, would you be willing to have a conversation with me. And we had a 45 minute conversation the other day. I applaud that, that person. It must've taken a lot for him to reach out to me and, and want to have that conversation and ask if I'd be willing to take that time. I was so happy to do it. And the funny thing, he had so many interesting questions, like, what's it like just to be an executive? Um, and this person's probably, you know, 26, 27 years old thinking about going to get an MBA for the first time. And I was so happy to give advice on what that path looks like and what the benefits, the pros and cons, what um, you should be thinking about if you're thinking about doing that in your life. And I think there's a lot of reward that comes out of those types of conversations. And we need to do that for the next generation, for them to be successful. So it is a wonderful thing. Yeah, and an MBA from Duke doesn't hurt either, right, Martine? <laughs> well, that was my undergrad, but yeah, at Georgetown, oh, Georgetown yeah, was Georgetown. my MBA program. And, and I was I was very fortunate to be able to do that while at my old employer and they supported it. Wow. And we need lots of employers to, to step up and support those types of programs and support education for their employees. So very grateful that Mercer does that. We should have other employers do that as yeah, well. Yeah. And, and I think the story that you just shared about, you know, the young gentleman asking you for advice about going for the MBA, I was going to ask a question. What I was automatically thinking is that, okay, there's a person listening right now and they're, they don't have the luxury of working for Mercer, at least not yet. 
And here's the thing, and this this demonstrates it, right? And I, I want to draw everybody's attention to it right now. You don't need a formal mentorship program within your organization to be mentored. That's what this kid, this young rising star did brilliantly, flawlessly. And that I love. And it can work both ways, right? You can be a senior level leader. I remember Mark Tiburgeon being on a stage with some investment news conference. And, you know, and there he was next to a young woman. And he said, well, she's actually mentoring me. And it was like, whoa, reverse mentoring, yeah. right? I mean, Mark talks about reverse mentorship. And and Mark's a friend of mine. And, and he... He talks about his his ideas on reverse mentorship, and it's a phenomenal concept. And I need the same thing in in my career. I have a lot of young professionals that I connect with all the time, and I say, "What do you think about this? How can I be more relatable? How can I continue to maintain my authenticity in relating with the staff?" Because it is important for us to remain relatable to the people that we are continuing to lead. And I think that's Mark's point is that as we begin to, um, you know, age up in the organization, there are younger people coming in behind us and they have all different thoughts of how they view the world, about how they view the profession and the industry. And we have to remain relevant to them. And I think that's just a beautiful concept that Mark really talked about a lot before he did his retirement. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll never forget it. And that was like nine years ago. Just It just turned the model up on its head. Are you hearing anything about relevancy? Like, I think that, uh, and I'm biased, right? So social media has always been a big way that, you know, younger people, as they're vetting organizations to work for, that just to be able to see like, pictures of of you and your and your beautiful your foster mom to a beautiful cat frost right that now that that gives me an insight into martine you think that that's that that's important that you know leaders should be you know sharing a little bit more on instagram on facebook about who they are because that that makes them more relatable I mean, I I believe in authenticity at my core. I mean, I've always wanted to be an authentic leader. I don't want to hide who I am. I, I, you know, but you have, and you have to realize though, that everyone in the company, everyone in the organization is watching every step and every move that you make. But the more relatable that we can be as people, as humans, the more people will open up, will just say what they think. And I think that's when we can really leverage the power of our talent. When people don't hide who they are, when they are willing to be open with us, when they can open up about their flaws, about their concerns, about where they need help. And the more relatable that you are just as a human being, the more people will just be willing to relate to you. And I think that when they can see that you have a fluffy white cat that you're fostering and the more Frost shows up at meetings, the more that just makes me a relatable person. And I think it's just important for people to see, you know, who I really am. Um, I'm not afraid to hide that and be an authentic person for everyone. I would like to do a little bit more traveling like you. And you had mentioned that you were on sabbatical, right? Yeah, I have been extremely cautious. I mean, I think that, you know, I I don't want to take as risks. Um, you know, airline travel is relatively safe, statistically speaking. So I have taken a couple of personal trips, but very cautiously. I think more importantly, it's what you do when you get there. That's where the risks really lie. But yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to travel. I'm a huge adventurer. And, you know, when I was so glad that I did have that five months off in between my jobs to really travel um, around as much as possible. And you know me, I can't wait to get back to doing that. So I will be the first one on a plane as soon as it's relatively safe. So I want to ride your coattails here. And as someone that hasn't done as much travel as she wants to yet, right? I use that word yet. What is the most like 
What's the most exciting place that you've ever been? You've you've been you've been all over the world. I mean, I've been to all seven continents and, um, you know, I think the dream come true to me was going to Antarctica as a little child. I fell in love with penguins. I told everybody I wanted to be a penguin (laughs) scientist. Of course, you know, that's not the technical term, but I, you know, dreamed of going to Antarctica one day. And that was a dream made true back in 2019. And um, actually it was just two years ago, almost to the week. When you know I made the voyage uh, across the Drake Passage, which I did, is like the roughest seas in the world, but you know setting foot on such a pristine, almost untouched continent is just a sight to be seen. And then just being around thousands and thousands of penguins for me was just a dream come true. So that was just something that you know I may never get a chance to do again. So when you have an opportunity to do that, it's really uh, amazing. And I, you know, I've got a bucket list, probably a gazillion pages long. So, you know, there's so much of this world to explore and so many cultures to explore. And obviously I've had so many unfortunate delays (laughs) that I had to cancel for 2020. So there's a, a waiting list and Dave's probably going to be like, where are you going this month when we start getting uh, back back going? But um, business comes first and then adventure comes second. But I'm an, event- an adventurer at heart. So there's nothing that's going to stop that. Yeah. And you, but, but it's also, it's so, it's much the, the same side of the, of the coin as, as we speak, right? Because here you are, you're already an adventurer and then you took a a big chance on a a big adventure before you decide when you go to places, do you belong to like a a travel club? How do you go into visiting like a new place? And, And I'm asking for a friend. Well, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I, I have my travel friends, as you know, like, you know, you know, Michael Kosman at Asperian, he and I are like besties and we have, we, we call each other up and we're like, you know, where do you want to go? And then we have our other travel friends that we travel with. I mean, we went to Antarctica together. We went to Africa together. Um, we've got a long list of coming up adventures. We're scheduled to go the, to the Galapagos, but you know, we met in the industry and that's the beauty of like of, of having just a swath of, of friends, but making true friends that you have business relationships with, but then you can extend further and really get involved with and engaged with. And, and we've made a travel connection there and we love to explore the world together. And so, you know, we, I, I joke, I'm like, well, well, wherever you, you're going to go, I'm going to go. And he says, vice versa. So we make kind of some of those joint planning decisions together about sort of big trips. Um, And then, you know, sometimes it's convenient or like, you know, just weather or, you know, if I happen to be going someplace for work and there's someplace nearby that I can hop for a weekend, um, it just kind of depends. But a lot of times, because I have friends that travel as well, it, it may depend on where they're going and they invite me along. Because she's fun, um, everyone. She's fun. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, it's not a great answer, but I'm not really to that point yeah. in my life yet when I have an exorbitant amount of time to devote to it. So um, for me, it's more about sort of some big bucket list destinations that I want to go to and then who's available to kind of travel with. So that's how I prioritize right now. Yeah, but that's so inspiring. Like one of the things when I came to this industry as a second career person is I said, wow, there's so many cool people here that what an extraordinary thing to just be able to, you know, network and meet with people and really develop a relationship and a rapport enough that, you know, you actually want to go away. And what's really cool is that it is, even though it's a, you know, the business always, the discussion of where we are right now, and it's been such a critical point in time that even just this conversation reminds me to put, wow, where, where are the places that I want to go on my, on my bucket list? Where are those, Tina? You know, I'm going to be journaling that out and dedicating it to Martine, tagging you on, you know, tagging you on Instagram in a future post. But it is, I think it's really part of, of what we need Whenever I go to a conference now, I used to, the, the, the prior me 
used to be in and out, right? Okay, when can I absolutely get there so that I can use up and I could squeeze every single second of time? And, and now I said, wow, that I'm, I'm not going to do it like that anymore. I'm going to take a day to just like refresh or go to a botanical garden or go on TripAdvisor to say, hey, what's the highest rated activity in or attraction in this area. I've even done that locally and I've discovered like it's opened up a whole new world. So you don't even need to get on a plane, go, go on TripAdvisor and seriously Google your um, area and the top attraction. And you would be surprised what's in your backyard. Mark and I went to a um, animal sanctuary in Florida. That was like down this road. <laughs> and it was so wild. And so they saved so many different animals there and just the, the hugest heart and how they took care of their animals and how their animals responded just to actually see that and hear the origin story and meet the people taking care of the animals. It was so inspiring. But I guess the net message is we would have driven by that street. No way in a million years would I have thought that there was an animal sanctuary down that street. So thank you, TripAdvisor. Yeah, I mean, there's gems around every corner, right? And I think it is it is good to sort of stop and smell those roses and, you know, realize you've got one life to live. So taking advantage of of all of those opportunities. And I mean, that is actually how Michael and I started developing that travel relationship. We would end up being at industry meetings and we would connect and say, hey, the meeting ends on a Friday. Are you interested in staying in town for the weekend and do you want to explore? I thought about going to see X, Y, and Z. And he's like, sure. Like, and we'd ask if anybody else wanted to do that. And we, we found that we were the real fun ones in the group. So that's how we ended up um, engaging on that. And then it just kind of naturally evolved from there. And we found that we really just had a mutual interest in travel. And that's, that's where it really developed. But what's really um, interesting is that beyond that, we really grew into good industry partners. Mm. And the beauty of having that is having um, great industry relationships where you can call each other about anything and say, what do you think about this? I'm having this challenge. How can, how can um, you help me, you know, solve that problem too. So having those really deep relationships across the industry is critically important for success. And I encourage everyone to try to develop those. That's such an important piece of advice. You know, again, we've, we've gone back and forth. Life has been at such an incredible pace before the pandemic. Again, go here, go in, get out, you know, come back. And then just taking a moment to just like kind of pause. Hey, where are we? And I like the idea too, of kind of tag teaming with people who are already in the industry, you know, that you share a common bond, common philosophy with, and that you're not also going to places like alone. I think that a lot of women listening here could, you know, spark up those friendships with our unbelievable, you know, male ambassadors here, male allies, and other females too. make like more of a group. It's a really good reminder to just kind of stop and pause. That's what I think this whole theme of this whole period of time has been just life, live life differently. Yep. I agree. So what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty easy to find because my name's unique. So you can, you can find me on the internet pretty simply, but LinkedIn is a good way to connect and, you know, you can find me on the Mercer website as well. So these are probably the best ways to reach out. Great. Fantastic. And we have one of the last questions that we've been asking this year. Can you give us your best book recommendation? Yeah, th this is a great question. So um, when I was making this big move and this big transition that we just talked about, a good friend of mine named Brian, he lives in California. We've been friends for over 20 years he sent me a book called The First 90 Days, Proven Strategies for Getting Up to Speed Faster and Smarter. It's written by Michael Watkins. And it's about basically making a transition. I mean, I'd only known one company, worked for one company for 17 years, actually worked for another company prior to that. But for 17 years, I'd been in one job. And so when you make a transition, I'm going to a new executive team, leading new people. You know, I, I it's like... I got a new job, like I hadn't started a new job in 17 years. How do you make that transition? 
So um, I did find that book to be really helpful. But here's another point that I want to make. There's always another book on the shelf, but more important are the people in your lives and making those connections. And so when I think about this friend, Brian, he's a good friend of mine that I've known. He, I've known him over 20 years. I actually helped hire him for this technology company that I worked for. We were consultants together. When I think about what's more valuable than any book that I've ever read, it's being able to sit down with Brian, his wife, his two daughters. I go to their house in California. I've spent every Memorial Day for the past five years with their family. And this, this year was the first year that I could do that and be in their home and connect with them. My conversations with Brian are worth more than any other book I could read. And so when I think about that, when I gain the wisdom I gain from a conversation with a friend like Brian, I gain all the books that he's ever read, all the wisdom that he's had in his career. He's grown as an executive in the apparel and um, e-commerce space. And that's the path that he took after we both left the IT consulting jobs that he was in. He moved to California. We've stayed close friends. I've watched his girls grow up. They're both in their teenage years now. But I think about like the friendships and the relationships that we have developed. And I'm very, very fortunate to have those deep connections with people. And honestly, I would much rather get back to being in the homes of the people that I love and care about and have that deep conversation than read any book right now. So I mean, read those books while you're sitting at home right now and soak it up. But let's get back to having those real intimate conversations with the people that we love because we can learn so much more. And I want to leave that parting note with everyone here because I really get so much value out of that. And I think that's how we learn and grow. Well, you're in the suite right now and you've done the same thing for us here. Thank you. listening to In The Suite, a podcast that shares amazing stories of women in business in the financial services and the wealth management industry. Our producers are Tina Powell and Kevin Hirshhorn. Our editor-at-large is Kevin Hirshhorn. Our content writers are Carmen Varner and Tina Powell. Our research and technical assistants are Rachel Powell, Sarah Smirker, and Kimmy Rice. In The Suite podcast is sponsored by C-Suite Social Media, a digital marketing and social media agency for C-Suite leaders and companies in finance and technology. You can visit csuitesocialmedia.com to learn more. And thank you so much for listening and subscribing uh, and giving us five-star reviews. We are so, so grateful to you. We've got listeners in 576 cities and 35 countries at the time of this recording. This podcast was inspired by you and created for you ladies. So please let us know how you enjoyed this episode with the amazing Martine Lellis and share your thoughts on LinkedIn and Twitter, hashtag in the suite. You can connect with Martine on LinkedIn. That's Martine Lellis, M-A-R-T-I-N-E-L-E-L-L-I-S and visit www.merceradvisors.com. And always, if you would like to share the name of a rock star woman in financial services we should interview in 2021, please send it to me at tina at inthesweetpodcast.com. Again, thank you so much for listening and subscribing to In The Suite.